0: Hi, I'm Amanda, and I'm John, and you're listening to Parenthetical. Tonight, we're going to cover the rebooted Planet of the Apes trilogy, which we just watched as a triple feature at our theater to celebrate the final installment of the film, War for the Planet of the Apes.
1: First up, uh, we're going to review Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Rise of the Planet of the Apes is a story of how a scientifically engineered virus uh, sparks the rise of the apes and the fall of man. A scientist, played by James Franco, develops the strain to assist his ailing father and tests the experimental drug on chimpanzees. The scientist adopts one of the subject's offspring, Caesar, and the young ape exhibits an incredible intelligence, and things escalate quickly from there. He hasn't spent any time with other chimps.
0: Oh, we're used to that. He'll be a little skittish at first, but we'll integrate him. You'll probably miss him more than he'll miss you. You'd be surprised how quickly adapt. We provide a stimulating environment. He's gonna thrive here.
1: Caesar! (coughs) It's gonna be okay. Everything's going to be okay. You're going to stay here now. Um. So Rise of the Planet of the Apes, I thought it had. I think this movie is. The script is really good and it's paced really well. I've seen it three or four times now. And it does not feel like a two hour long movie. It always goes by really fast. This movie has three separate plots, or three separate lines of story, which is what the apes are doing, what James Franco, the scientist, is doing, and what the scientist uh, company or corporation is doing, where, he, where James Franco works. And all three of them come together really well at the end. Um, and they manage all three plot lines really well and really effectively. And
0: The um, end conflict is good i'm not i think it, a lot of blockbusters lose their um footing and get a little boring in the big final action sequence but i think that rise does it really well i love the escape of the apes and i love the apes getting toward the forest
1: um this there's a lot this the one well, something that always strikes me about this movie is how good the scenes are like yeah, the script is... The the story is just a good story. It's a classic story about rebellion um, and kind of the formation of new...
0: I don't know if it's about rebellion. It's oh, more no. about resistance. Rebellion, it has the connotation of Caesar being like an angsty teenager that doesn't want to live with his parents anymore.
1: Well, he doesn't.
0: Where, Yeah, but <sighs> it's from a resistance perspective where he knows that that's not where he belongs actually and so maybe he, resistance is he like- can't with his intelligence he's been burdened with seeing how the rest of his kind is treated and mm-hmm. he he alone has to either decide to deal with it or not and he does deal with it by granting that intelligence for better or for worse to his mm. kind
1: it, it kind of it reminded me a little bit of Blade Runner when you were talking about it just now. About you know, it kind of has that vibe where Caesar understands. He asks, "Where? What is he? Or where? Where is he from?" No, he asks,
0: know. "What is Caesar?" And it's heartbreaking.
1: It is heartbreaking. That
0: scene, that scene, I think sets the ball uh, rolling. Um, to just one incredible scene after another. The scene where yeah. he's just because he sees a dog on a leash and he's on a leash. Um god, I'm gonna get like for Clem just talking about it. <laughs> uh and he asks, is Caesar a pet? And then he asks who his father is. And then he asks, what is Caesar? <laughs> and it's really it's so sad. Good. And it's really thematically challenging. Oh no.
1: The scenes in this movie are excellent. It's a really good. Um, and Obviously
0: I cry every time I watch it. All of the scenes where Caesar, I guess, is putting together how he's gonna start the resistance. Um, I really love the scene where he's currying all of the apes' favor by giving them cookies.
1: It has really great it integrates extremely well real ape behavior really into well. how he yeah. into how he's doing it. They have they have they challenge one another and the the sort of things he does is I don't know it's it's interesting because it's a mix of how a human might start a rebellion and it's also a um how that an ape might foreseeably do it I suppose um, now if there's something I didn't like in this movie though something I thought the movie could have done without was it's it, I don't know if it was a – I feel like it was probably a decision from the producers or something, but he's a script and the direction is otherwise so good. But I do not like the references it throws into the Planet of the Apes movie. It has – you know, they repeat um, – they do callbacks to things like – get your, they actually just say the line verbatim, get your stinking hands off me, you damn dirty ape. Um you get
0: so upset about stuff like that.
1: It's just, I it, agree. It, it doesn't make it timeless. It's you know, no, it's, true. It, it, it has the shackles of that movie, I guess. It on takes it. you
0: out of it because then you are like, well, I know that line instead of like yeah. thinking about what the character is saying. Yeah. Um, I don't like
1: visual uh, now. There's a part and there's some visual references too, and I think those are generally okay. But when they have whole lines out of it, is when I just like... yeah, that
0: probably is too it, much. It gets hurt. Um. My problem with it is all in acting, I think, really. I think the writing is incredible and I think the direction is really great. Um, but the two things I have a, pr- one, I don't want to like shade James Franco at all. I like him. I'm a fan of his. I believe that he loves Caesar. I believe that he loves his father. Um, I just, I just don't believe that this guy can genetically engineer a virus. <laughs> when he's saying things about how, you know, we don't know what it's what it's gonna do in human trials yet, and you don't know the ramifications of this virus is blah blah and starts getting into like scientific jargon, it's really it's Ripped. it it's doesn't work script. for me.
1: <laughs> so rating this movie, I give it. I th- I think this movie is near perfect. Um I think I'll give it an A. A. A? Yeah. All right.
0: Okay, so next was Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Dawn takes place 10 years after Rise, and the virus has so ravaged the human race that the apes think the species may be extinct. When humans make contact in an effort to restore electricity to their settlement, however, a power struggle develops among the apes that elevates their conflict with the humans. You don't mean any harm! They're apes, man. you think they understand what you're saying? Do they look like just apes to you? Dad. Malcolm, what are you doing Dad. Alcum. It's okay. Go! Hey,
1: Dad.
0: Dad. Okay. Okay, we're we're going. While I think the infighting among the apes in this movie is really great, it's just as complex, um, thematically challenging, and emotional as, as Rise, Dawn has really, really great scenes among the apes. Um, whenever it's just with the humans, and sometimes even the humans and the apes, I kind of mentally check out a lot of the time. The human drama, I thought, was really hollow, and the writing was really weak for the whole human half. I didn't care about one single... Hu- I could not tell you a name of one of the human characters when I could t- probably name every single ape you asked me to name.
1: The humans definitely act as only as a catalyst for what the apes are doing. Yeah. Um, and that would have been okay if they had just stayed out of having the, where the humans are, you know, just doing human stuff. Yeah. Um, if they just kept them as a catalyst and just focused on the apes. Instead, they try to juggle two plot lines here. And unlike in Rise, I think um, they just don't manage to make both plot lines equally compelling, even though they spend equal time amongst them. On the other hand, I do think the plot, the human plot, is necessary for the story here. Um, And so it's a shame that it didn't work out, because they do need what the humans are doing to make the the story as a whole work. It's just their scenes weren't that good.
0: I think it's... I mean, none of the humans... It's... Thinking back to it even now, I feel like I'm being harsh. But I'm trying to think of one human character who has anything resembling a personality. And... I'm not coming up with anything. I mean, all of the good humans, in quotes, the ones we're supposed to like... Their personality is—they've lost somebody that they love to the disease, and like are sad about it.
1: There's no conflict between the humans. The humans are only—all they're caring about is can we. All they're doing is thinking: should we or should we not attack the apes? Um, And they just kind of say that back and forth over and over again without actually ever doing anything. And that's all the humans really have to say. Well, the apes are actually, you know, they have, like you said, they have infighting. They, um, having internal conflicts as well as external conflicts with the humans. Um, and they just have more to worry about, I guess.
0: We're talking characterization. I honestly don't know how the same people, and I mean, it's three writers on this movie, so maybe the same people didn't write the humans that wrote Koba, but... Koba is one of the more interesting characters, period, in a movie I think I've ever seen. He's incredibly interesting to talk about because he ends up a villain, but is completely, while it's maybe not a rational justification, I think justified in the way that he responds to humans being in his life again because he was a test subject his whole life. He's covered in scars. The scene where Caesar says, just let them do their human work, you know, so that there can be peace between us. And Koba points at all of his scars and says human work. It's just so good because it says so much in so little.
1: Yeah, so the writers who worked on this movie are the same ones that worked on Rise, except there's an additional person thrown into the mix. And I fear that the additional person who's done it to mix is the one who expanded out what the humans were doing because the ape scenes here are just as interesting as they were in Rise Um, and the humans just kind of fall to the wayside I think there's a lot of good scenes here there's not as many as memorable as were in the first one but there's a lot of really strong scenes here still I think um especially the ending the ending is really good um
0: I think the human work scene is just as good as the What is Caesar scene.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really good. Um, now the, the the one thing I do have to take this movie off for is the cinematography, which has a different cinematographer from Rise of the Planet of the Apes. And there's just not any you know, really memorable shots in this movie like I can remember out of Rise. There's very few. And a personal complaint here is that a lot of the movie is so dark. It's just such a dark movie. It's most of the shots are are uh, saturated with black. It, almost all of the movie takes place at night it feels like it's not as well shot, I think as the first one was. And a new director too here, Matt Reeves from Who Did Not Do the first one. And
0: the direction is not as good. It's just not. Yeah. But Rise actually gives you chills a lot of the time because of the integration of the visuals and what's going on, you viscerally respond to Rise of the Planet of the Apes. And while Dawn of the Planet of the Apes still has writing that elicits emotions, I don't think there's any of that direction that elicits bodily investment or whatever you want to call it. There's nothing quite as thrilling.
1: So what do you think of a writing for this movie?
0: I would give it a... I mean, just because of Koba, the writing of Koba, I think I'd still probably give it a B.
1: I give it a C. Especially after seeing it so close in proximity right after Rise, it struck me about how much less good this movie is compared to Rise. But Um, there's... Can I... the,
0: The development of a villain. I honestly don't know if I've seen a better development of a villain in a movie. Then Copa.
1: So maybe maybe a B is better for it. C is average. It's, it's above average. It's above average. So we'll get it for B. Finally, we're going to talk about The War of the Planet of the Apes, the new movie that just came out this week. War for the Planet of the Apes takes place five years after dawn, and now the apes are actively being hunted by a rogue military squad. The squad leader kills Caesar's family and Caesar embarks on a quest for vengeance while the rest of the apes make their way to the desert and presumably to freedom have you finally come to save your apes i can't for you for me to you um well I think this movie is just a slog it's really boring um th- there's it's it's always I always am shocked at when these types of movies come out I mean I think it's probably over two hours long um
0: or at Definitely. it's at least
1: two hours long and in this course of two hours there's almost nothing that happens here Compared to the story of Rise and Dawn, and we noticed that they got rid of the writers for Rise and Dawn, the writers who did Rise completely. Wasn't it only
0: Amanda Silver that was gone?
1: No. Um, well, they're a they're a team. Amanda Silver and somebody else. Oh, they were
0: they're both a, gone.
1: Yeah, they write all of their scripts together. They don't even have. A, they, she doesn't have like a single Wikipedia page. It's Amanda Silver and Richard Jaffe or something. Oh, I see. So they're gone, and um, this movie loses. Uh, I mean. It loses good scenes. I don't know. There's just no... Um, where the first movie had all these conflicts happening between the apes and between the humans. At least the humans actually had conflict amongst each other, even if it was a little boring. In this movie, nobody has anything. Um, the The guy or the leader of the military squad kills his family. And Caesar goes on a rogue hunt after him. And the first part of this movie is kind of like a, I guess, like gang of four going after like after like a bounty hunt or something.
0: Um, His like best friends, I guess. And they don't want to leave him to go on this mission of vengeance by himself. So they go with him.
1: So they go off and immediately they discover that they had two new characters in the mix when they find a human girl um, and she rides along with them. And then they also find a an ape. And what these two characters do is represent, like, the the bridging between apes and humans, so the human girl cannot speak and the ape can only speak. The virus um, has
0: mutated and it's robbing humans of, of, apparently, we didn't see any of the, it was said that it takes their higher, like, cognitive reasoning away so that they operate more like animals That it also takes their voice. And, um... So, yeah, so the, that's what the virus is doing to humans now in its new mutated form. Yeah.
1: Um, so eventually they get to a. After this sort of gang of four bounty hunter movie, they get to a camp and they're imprisoned and the rest of the movie plays out like a um, like a, a prison escape movie. Um, and what really disappointed me about the script is that it's there's a lot of parts here of traditional movies, you know, it's the Bounty Hunter movie is like an archetype of movie. The Prison Escape movie is obviously has been done many times.
0: Bounty Hunter movie? Yeah. What do you mean by that?
1: Well, I mean like a revenge movie. Oh, okay. Um, so there's the revenge movie and there's the prison escape movie and neither of them are done well. Um. There's like, it's just going through the paces of what these movies do. You see the people going underground and they're kind of um, planning out and like trying to figure out the layout of these places for the prison escape and they're trying to distract guards and get keys and stuff. But there's no emotional heft to these scenes. It's just copying these scenes from earlier movies, not understanding their function and why they actually were dramatic in their movies they originally took place in and putting them so the apes are doing it. And so you get things like including apes slinging poop at guards instead of distracting them by throwing rocks or something like that. The humor Let's in just this movie be gets,
0: on this for a little bit because it's a travesty. Well, the first two movies are not comedies. They have they have humor in them, and it's really good humor because it's humor that's born out of character. In Dawn when Koba acts stupid in front of the humans, in turn showing how stupid the humans are. That's funny. What's not funny? What's not funny is throwing poop. Because you're a monkey. That's not funny. What's really not funny, and maybe this will be a segment in the future because this is a complaint I have all the time of how can a writer even write those words down? And in this case, those words are, I'm okay. I cannot stand it. It's never, ever funny when a dumb character falls or, like, hits, like, runs into a screen glass door or, like, trips over a trash can or something and then says, I'm okay. It's not ever, ever funny. I was
1: afraid from the minute I saw the cover of this movie with this ape wearing this sweater to stick out as soon as he was introduced as afraid was going to be some sort of terrible comedic relief character. But we don't need comedic relief. We, we don't need comedic relief. We just need character, you know, just humor happens in everyday lives. Um, you don't need to add one. And uh, you know what it stinks of, actually, is they write the script. They think it's a good script. And then someone
0: just stuck some jokes in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They
1: just have to. And they're like, how do we make this? How do we lighten this up a little bit? But they, you know, I can I can totally see this character being written in as an afterthought because he has no integral role in the plot at all. He just kind of tags along and, you know, does stupid stuff. I mean,
0: I guess he tells them where the border is. Uh. He leads them them to the border as like a golem kind of character, sort of.
1: So all of the conflict in this movie is based around will they get out or won't they get out? Will they get away or won't they get away? Will yeah. they find the people or won't they? There's no actual conflict on any level beyond the physical, and it makes for boring stuff.
0: It's frustrating because there's a, there's a few seeds of... What we saw in the in Rise and Dawn of actual really interesting and complicated emotional conflict, their seeds, they weren't fertilized, let alone did they sprout into anything remotely meaningful. It tries to do this thing where can Caesar be pushed to a point where he becomes Coba and can Caesar practice what he said in the face of abuse on the level of what Koba received. But it, all it does is give him these lazy ass visions where he sees Koba and Koba tells him you're being like Koba instead of catching himself saying something Koba said or hearing, you know, it doesn't do it in any nuanced way. There, there's no challenging exploration of themes.
1: More than anything, I think this movie reveals Matt Reeves as the weak link in this production. He was the director of *Donna's Planet of Days, and he's director of War. And for War, it's the first time he actually wrote the movie. And, you know, he ac- he wrote it as well as directed. And it kind of, I think, reveals that the emotional and thematic hafts that were in the previous movies were all from the screenplays. In the end, I think it was a script that was applying all of that completely, and he was just shooting it. And making it maybe worse than it could have been, because as we've said, Rise is way better than.
0: I think Dawn. something that speaks volumes about Rise versus War is perhaps you've gleaned from the fact that I've literally wept during this podcast <laughs> that it is very easy to make me cry, and I've not ever i I haven't been more prepared and surprised that I didn't cry. So there's a final death in this movie. A concluding death in this movie, just like there's a concluding kind of death in, um, in Rise. And on paper, it's a character that you barely know dying in Rise, and a character that you've spent three entire movies getting to know in war. And yet, the concluding death in Rise is way more emotionally impactful. Yeah i mean volumes more emotionally impactful it's so bad death and war. War.
1: i don't even know what character she's talking about that dies <laughs> that's how bad it is <laughs> so what do you want to do you want to rate it i think i give it a d the acting is still good it's it's entertaining in some parts but yeah, not, it just doesn't add up to anything it's not and, as um,
0: abysmal as an f but i think probably a d as well yeah
1: no. It's definitely the last one I'm going to reach for to watch again. Certainly. Um, And probably will never watch it again. Thanks for listening, everybody. That's our show. We'll be back next week. And until then, we've got some movies to go watch.